Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Neil, and I'm one of the pastors here at The Edge, and I am so thankful to get to be with you today as we close out this short series that we've been doing in January called Renew. So far in the series, we've taken a look back at the past year to see what God has done in our lives. And then we talked about the need in 2023 to return to the center of what's most important, and that's always to put the kingdom of God first, all that God cares about and all that he is first. We then talked about how to restart from where we found ourselves, and today we're going to talk about stepping into what God has for us individually and as a church in this coming year. There's something so comforting to me to know that while God is constant, that he's always active, that he's always doing something new in our world, in our church, and in our lives. The author of Hebrews declared in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, um, it says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And yet that same God says in the book of Isaiah, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. Now, I don't know your exact situation, but I am pretty sure that you've gone through some stuff in the past year. And I know straight from the Bible and just from enough years of experience myself to know that you will go through things this year. I will go through things this year that we'd all really rather just skip. We don't want to go through hard things that we don't have to go through, but we know that we will go through hard things. John 16, says it. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. That's a, that's a guarantee. We will have trouble. And then he goes on to say, but, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So we know that we're going to go through hard things this year and, and every other year that we're blessed to live in. But those things will end. All those things will end. There is purpose in them as you go through them. And the God of all things is always doing a new thing. And that means in your life too. I love what Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter three, verses one through eight. It's a familiar passage. It's, it's shared often at funerals and, and certainly in uh, pop culture from years ago. It says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to uproot, a time to kill and a time to heal a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. I think this passage is really meant to broadly cover most of what we experience in our human existence. It's a lot of different seasons, a lot of different spaces, struggles, and times. And we all go through things that are good and bad and challenging. The seasons never stay the same. There's always movement and there's always change for us. And that's actually why I'm pretty convinced that uh, Florida is most like heaven, because there's one season where it's comfortable and warm all the time. Now, whatever you do, don't pay attention to hurricane season. So if everything in life is seasonal and God is always the same, 
but he's always doing something new, then what is it that God has for us to do to discern what is next for us? Okay, so as you look at this next year, maybe you're sort of wondering, like, what is it that the Lord has for me and how do I tell what that is? How can I figure out what that is? The journey that we're all on is certainly one of faith. Um, there are steps for each of us to take on these journeys and, and also as a community of believers. And there are two thoughts that come to my mind as I think about life. And the first one is from one of my most influential pastors in my life, the very first pastor of a church that I attended in Bloomington Normal um, at the end of my college experience, Pastor Fred Franks. Um, in one of the first sermons that I ever heard that made sense to my mind and actually connected with my heart, I'll never forget him saying to the church that God can't steer a parked car. And I, I really got that image in my mind um, automatically. And maybe that's not a, a big thing for you to hear. Maybe you're like, oh, I get it. This is like Theology 101. Um, but it's something that I think all of us need to be reminded of. It, it, it's this great visual and this reminder to me that the, the faith walk is actually a walk. It's one of action. You have to take steps. It's sort of the picture of Abraham's life. It's this obedience. It was in the obedience of his movement that God gave him his next steps. Another thought comes to me, and I bet it would apply to a number of us here in our church community, and it's this, that if you keep doing what you've done, so if you keep doing in 2023 what you did in 2022, you're going to keep getting what you've already gotten, right? It's the definition of insanity, that if you think you're going to keep doing the same thing and you expect a different result, that's crazy. You're going to get what you've always gotten if you don't change your steps. Both of those ideas have the common foundation of action. And it's not action just for the sake of action. It's not haphazard or thoughtless action. It's not moving simply for the sake of moving, but seeking to understand the ways that God communicates with his people. And then entering into that stream with him into what's new this year. This isn't something that we can be smart enough to do on our own. So many of us try to just figure it all out, like muscle our way through or be smart enough. And we just can't be smart enough to figure out all of life's steps. We were made to do this with our creator. And it's also nothing that's reserved solely for the Mensa genius crowd either. It's still accessible to every age and ethnicity every person of every socioeconomic status and talent. In the Gospel of John chapter 5, Jesus was put in a position to defend himself against the accusations of the religious leaders. That happened to him often. The religious leaders did not love this new guy who came on the scene. And they always accused him of something. They even went after him when he did good. And in this moment, he actually healed a disabled man on the Sabbath. John 5, 19, Jesus gave them this answer. He said, very truly, I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. Okay, so if we are supposed to emulate Jesus in our lives, so what does that look like? How do we figure out where God is working and work with him there? Um, I'm going to suggest three ways that God speaks to us. This certainly is not an exhaustive list of all the ways God speaks. We could have many, 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 many sermons, probably many years of sermons that would talk about all the ways Scripture shows that the Lord speaks. 
And this is not formulaic. Um, uh, we, we sometimes just want a list so that we can um, disconnect our minds and our hearts from what we're doing. And, and I think part of what God always wants from us is for our, our hearts to be connected to him always so that we can sense the little movements and the little things that he speaks to us so that we can go in one direction or another. But here's the first way that I want to challenge you to consider that God may speak to you. God directs us through dreams. God directs us through dreams. This is a little bit of a tough one for me. Um, someone in our community has challenged me regularly uh, to write down my dreams because he said, I am convinced that God has made you a dreamer. Write these things down and see what he's doing. See if there's some themes. And I found that to be very true. I would urge you to um, uh, be, be prayerfully cautious to discern the source of your dreams. You know, sometimes um, we can make bad decisions based on, like about our futures based on coming to conclusions that our dreams were from God when it actually could have just been from a really sugary dessert or a pizza that we ate too late. I'm really not even joking there. It could be from a scary movie that you watched before bed and you had a nightmare and you made a decision based on that. So not every dream is direction from God, but God does use dreams. He, he tells us that in scripture and there are dreams throughout scripture. In Acts chapter 2 verse 17, the apostle Peter spoke to a crowd about the movement of God and he quoted from the prophet Joel. And this is what he said. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. I love that in that one verse, we see God's heart for all people. It shows that he gives a measure of his spirit to all people. And the focus of that is to call them to repentance and receive everlasting life. That's always God's call for us. He always wants that for us. And he wants, as we um, express his love and we show who he is and we talk about um, who Jesus is, that other people might get excited about the same God who has changed our lives. And then in verse 21, it says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is the point uh, of, of prophecy and visions and dreams. It's all about glorifying God by turning the hearts of people back to their maker. In the Gospel of Matthew, it fascinates me that, that we learn right away in, in, in the Christmas story, like as Jesus was, was coming on the scene, we learn that God spoke to both the wise men who came from the east to see Jesus, and he spoke to Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, through, dream, through dreams. And he warned them about the jealous King Herod who wanted to kill Jesus because the king was afraid of losing his authority. Herod did not understand why Jesus came. Herod thought that Jesus came to take his throne when actually Jesus just wanted his heart. The very one that God was using to save the world was being threatened by this jealous king. And God used dreams given to the wise men and to Jesus' earthly father, Joseph, to keep the way to be saved in place. And the plan would still occur. So in the Bible, um, there are at least 21 dreams that are recorded. 15 are in the Old Testament and six are in the New Testament. And each one of them uh, that was given was powerful direction from God for his people. 
I remember when I first realized that God had given me a dream, and it was long before I became a Christian. I was 12 years old, and I had no church background, really, almost none at all. And, uh, but I did have one incredibly persistent and prayerful grandmother. And my dream, I'll never forget, I, I walked up to the house that we lived in at the time in Bloomington, Illinois, and it was dark. It was uh, dark in the house, like all the lights were off, but it was like almost at dusk. So not completely dark, but, but kind of a gray dark. And I remember walking up the stairs in my house, and it was actually my house. Like all the details were there, and I just remember thinking, this is, this is incredible. Like it was just a weird, surreal moment. I walked up the stairs, and I got to the landing, and I looked left down the hall towards where my bedroom was, and there was one light that, that apparently I had left on. And I remember thinking, I have to go down there and turn that light off. I, I, I guess I accidentally left it on when I left the house. So I walked down the hallway, and I remember turning the corner and looking into my bedroom. And I had a lamp that sat right next to my bed. And in the place of where the light bulb would sit was Jesus standing. And he had his arms wide open to me. And he had the most loving, welcoming expression on his face. Then I woke up. It took me years to recognize that the Lord was seeking me. Author and theologian John Stott wrote in his book that's called Why I Am a Christian, he said that he is a Christian not because of the influence of his parents, not because of his own personal decision, but because he was relentlessly pursued by Jesus Christ, who he called the Hound of Heaven. Here's a second way that God shows us what's next. He speaks to us through other people. God will show us what's next by speaking to us through other people. Have you ever had someone come to you as you've been praying for direction or you've needed some help and the person maybe didn't even know that you had a need or had no idea of your situation or that you were praying and they just ended up being an answer to your prayer or giving you that next step that you just knew God just saw me and he spoke to me through that person. That's happened to my family countless times. And I would bet that if you looked at, at your life and your experience, that there are plenty of times when you felt like you didn't have direction for what was next. And you were praying and you were asking God. And it showed up in the form of a person who just said something and you knew it just clicked in with you in that moment that God was directing you. God uses people. He uses good people and bad people and everybody in between to accomplish his purposes, and certainly he uses people in our lives. I love the account uh, of Mark chapter 1 about John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist was Jesus' first cousin and forerunner. He came a little bit before Jesus, and Mark quotes the prophet Isaiah from hundreds of years earlier in Mark chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. Easy to remember. Mark 1, verses 2 and 3. It says, As it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make paths straight for him. John the Baptist, uh, of course, came onto the scene not to draw attention to himself, but to point to the saving grace of Jesus Christ, his cousin. Mark chapter one, verses seven and eight. This was John's message. He says, after me comes one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. 
I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. God's story is unfolding through God's people, and you might be someone's answer to prayer, and they might be yours. Here's the last way that we're going to talk about how God shows us what's, what's next. Again, these are just three ways that God might be showing you this year. Certainly not an exhaustive list, but one that I've seen and experienced and one that happened in Scripture. God shows us what's next through opened and closed doors. How many times have you just prayed, Lord, would you guide me by, by, by closing the wrong doors and opening just the right one? I, I've prayed many times, Lord, I don't, I'm not smart enough to know what's next. I, I don't know what's best for me, for my family, or, or whatever it is I'm praying for, but you do. Please don't give me lots of choices. Please just show me by opening the right door and closing the wrong ones. He certainly speaks through opened and closed doors. The Apostle Paul knew firsthand what this was like. Um, listen to his account of his travels in Acts chapter 16, verses 6 through 10. It was a second missionary journey. Paul and his companions were traveling um, through the, the region of Phrygia. That's an interesting word. It's spelled P-H-R-Y-G-I-A. And yes, I did have to look it up to remember how to pronounce it. Uh, so they were traveling through Phrygia and Galatia. And it says, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. That's, that's interesting, right? They were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. We'll come back to that. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter um, Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Okay, another interesting one. They were going to preach, and so they were stopped by the Holy Spirit, and then they were kept by Jesus from going to this region. It says, so they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man uh, of Macedonia standing and begging him. And, and the man said in the vision, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Now, when you read that passage, I, I'm guessing that you're a little bit fascinated and perplexed like, like I was when I read it. Um, somehow, we're not privy to how. I'd love to ask questions, but Paul reports in this one short section about his missionary journeys that he was kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word. Doesn't make a lot of logical sense because that's kind of the point. God wants us to share his truth. So something else is going on here. And then the Spirit of Jesus wouldn't allow them to enter into these areas that they were trying to preach the Word of God. So I want to know this. What did that look like? Did God come in a vision and say to stop? Um, was it a storm that suddenly arose and they took it as a sign? Like, what exactly happened here? I'm curious about this. I'd love to know what happened, but it's not shared with us. But I'm also perplexed by it because it is, according to Scripture, God's will that all would be saved. And people become saved by hearing the word and responding to the truth of Jesus. And, and then you throw in Matthew chapter uh, 28, where we read about the great commission that Jesus left for all believers on earth who claim his name. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, in case you've forgotten what this commission is, it is for you. It's not just ministers, it's all of us. We're all called to share the gospel. Jesus said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. On the surface, can we just acknowledge that that's confusing? 
it seems as though it should be always God's plan for people to hear the gospel. But this story tells us that it's not always the right time. There's a time for everything. And the Lord opens and he closes doors. Paul and his missionary companions recognize that God must be directing them to preach the word somewhere else first. Because God closed that door and opened another one through that, that vision that, that Paul had of that man in Macedonia calling for help. So today, we've talked about several of the ways that God reveals to us what he has next for us. I'm going to say it a third time. This is not an exhaustive list. And it's not meant to be taken and, well, if I, I'm going to look for these three things and that's all I'm going to do. No, 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 no. Do not limit the Lord and how he may speak to you. He can speak to you in all sorts of ways. His creativity is unlimited and his desire to communicate with us is never ending. He is going to speak to you in a way that makes sense to you. It is just who he is. He seeks after us. He, he leaves the 99 for the one that's lost. He cares for every single person and he reaches us in ways that make sense to us. I would say this. Do not base your life decision on any dreams. Don't base your choices on encounters with other people. Don't chart your course based on opened or closed doors if you aren't connected to Jesus. Do not do it. Don't make this message about dreams, about people, about open doors. Because if you do that without being connected to Jesus, I'm going to tell you that you are living in a way that's no different than anyone who, who looks online and, and makes decisions based on their zodiac sign or their personality type or their Enneagram number. Do not fall victim to, to um, kind of the, like almost this like Christian astrology and combining things and no, 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 make this about Jesus and Jesus alone. Put him at the center of your life. And as you do that, ask him to reveal things to you about what your next is. And, and he very well might use those three things. He very well might use dreams and people and opened and closed doors. But if you make this about those three things and, and you are disconnected from him, it would be a grave mistake. This is all based on having a relationship, a vibrant connection, real life connection with the living God. Be connected to the creator. Don't make it about a formula. In John 15 verse 5, Jesus said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Remember that. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Stay connected to Jesus and your life will bear fruit. And he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. I, I used to wonder what that meant, but I realize more and more, the older I get, I can't do anything without him. If he withdraws his spirit from me, if he takes my breath away, literally just takes the breath that he gave to me, I'm done. That's my last moment on this earth. I can't do anything. I am not self-sustaining in any way, shape, or form, and neither are you. Throughout the Bible, God has spoken to the rich and to the poor, to the weak and powerful. He's spoken through dreams and visions. He's spoken through other people and opened and closed doors. He has spoken through donkeys. He's spoken through planting and, and harvest. He's spoken through seasons and through over the course of years, through plenty and through want. There is no limit as to how God might speak to you. But if you connect with him personally and intentionally, 
you're going to have a far greater chance of having your eyes open to what he is doing and joining him there. My prayer for you today is the prayer the Apostle Paul prayed over the church of Ephesus. It's in chapter 1 of Ephesians, uh, verses 18 and 19. It says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. God has new things for you this year. And I pray that every single one of you that sees this message gets every single thing that God has for you. Maybe you've never said yes to Jesus before. Maybe you've never repented of your sins. I, I want to I tell you this. Your, your first next step in this new year is not to chase after the things God has for you, but it's to chase after God. A relationship with God is not based on how you want it to be. You don't get to define the terms because you didn't create the world. You aren't the, the giver of all good things. God is the one who gets to define the terms of your relationship. But you don't have to worry. He's not a dictator. He is a good, loving, and kind God, and he has the most gracious of offers for you. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, it tells us how, how you can be saved, how we can be saved. He does it through the Apostle Peter. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If that's your next, reach out to us and let us know, and we'll help you take your next steps on your spiritual journey. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you are always speaking to your people. Open our eyes, our ears, and most importantly, our hearts. Help us to get all that you're saying. Help 2023 be a year of incredible change, incredible growth. Give us courage to say yes to everything you bring our way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'll be back with you after this final song.